Hi, everybody. I am so excited to put out this episode with Rachel Leibowitz. And I think it's like a really cool episode, first of all, to hear her story from weight loss surgery to intuitive eating. That's really one part of the episode. Um, but Rachel is, or Rachi is okay with me sharing the fact that she has been a private client of mine, as well as a group participant. And I just wanted to share her testimonial. And this is from Rahi. I thought I knew everything I needed to know about intuitive eating. I read the book, so what more was there to know? Then when I was ready to sign up with Gila, I realized that there was so little that I knew. Gila took me through the journey of getting to understand my relationship with food, my triggers and reactions. After a few sessions with Gila and doing her group coaching, I got to have a greater understanding of my relationship with food, make peace with my body, make peace with food, and learn how to approach food from a loving place that is nurturing. I am so grateful that I gave myself this gift of intuitive eating. So thank you for sharing that, Rahi. And um, I think that it's amazing to see how um, Rahi or Rachel, whatever you want to call her, she goes by both, um, really was preaching weight loss surgery and how she thought it was you know, the best thing ever until she didn't. And then she found intuitive eating and like many people, it's hard to embrace it right away. And it seems counterintuitive and definitely countercultural. And I really, really appreciate um, her perspective and the fact that she did a deep dive into intuitive eating by doing private counseling and the group. And the group, I really do believe in the power of the group and I will be running another group. Um, so you could reach out if you want to join the next group that that's th- that will hopefully be starting soon. You could email me at gilaglassberg18 at gmail.com or you could get in touch with me through my website, www.gilaglassberg.com. You could also go to my website and see, go to the shop page and find a bunch of classes that I now have av- available for purchase, whether it's the episode I did with Shira Fruchter actually using the IFS model or a class that I gave to preschool teachers on how to teach, how to create a positive eating environment for either your preschoolers who might be your students or your children, just to create a healthy atmosphere of eating. There's also some classes that I've given in high schools if you're looking to talk to your teenage children about intuitive eating, health at every size, self-care, things like that. Go ahead, check it out on the website, www.gilaglassberg.com. You can follow me at gila.glassberg.intuitive.rd and enjoy the episode. Hi, everyone, and welcome to my podcast, Get Into It with Gila. I know you're going to love the content here because you will gain inspiration, powerful tools and insights, and valuable knowledge. If you want more of this, please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or visit me on Instagram at gilaglassberg. I'm Gila Glassberg, a registered dietitian and intuitive eating counselor. I've come to realize by counseling many, many women that this work is much deeper and greater than food and body image. It's the bigger picture challenges we face of love, belonging, acceptance, what our true values and goals are, noticing them, addressing them, and gaining skills to move forward. If you have been struggling with what your life's purpose is, or you just feel stuck in general and don't know what's holding you back, this podcast will enlighten and inspire you to take action and move forward. This podcast is about other women in the 21st century who feel that losing weight will fix all their problems or somehow meet their unmet needs. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Get Into It with Gila. I'm Gila Glassberg, your host. And today I have Ruchi slash Rachel Leibowitz. Hi, Ruchi. Hi, Gila. I'm so excited to do this. I'm so excited to have you on uh, for so many reasons. Uh, just to preface it with, like, you are a, cl- a past client and you're a group participant. And like you said before we started recording, you're an open book. And I feel like it's sometimes hard to like share so much about your life, but it's so powerful for so many people who are struggling on this intuitive eating journey. So um, with that being said, could you just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, where you live, what do you do? And then we'll talk about your story. Sure. Thank you so much, Gila, for having me. I'm so excited to talk about intuitive eating because I feel like it's a part of me. It's a part of my journey of who I am, who I've become, you know, um, I grew up in Muncie. I live in Muncie now after getting married, moving to the city and then moving back. Um, what what could I say? So I was always called fat from when I was a very little kid. Um, it's funny looking at back at pictures of myself as a kid. I wasn't fat at all. 
Mm -hmm. It's so interesting, right? So mm -hmm. the narrative that I was given by school, parents, neighbors, everybody, and it it was my identity. Um, fast forward, when I was about 15, 16, diet pills was a big thing in our community. Somehow I got a hold of them, lost a ton of weight because I was told that if I'm fat, I would never be able to get married, wouldn't be able to find a husband. Lost did did everyone tell you that? Like, was that reinforced by everybody or just like a select people in your life? There was no other narrative. There was nobody that was that was said, no, that's not true or you're fine or whatever. It was like, even if it was unspoken or it was also spoken, but it was the narrative across the board. So I lose a lot of weight. It came with a ton of like repercussions. Those diet pills ended up with heart palpitations, almost ended up in the hospital, mm -hmm. um, but I'm skinny and I get engaged and I kind of like knew I'm going to gain it all back. Like I knew and I was so scared to tell my husband. And your husband didn't know that you were on, that you took diet pills to lose weight. No, but that was like before I met him. So mm -hmm. it didn't matter. Right. Right. So I get married a year later, I gained it all back plus and I am like dealing with a lot marriage is a lot a lot of surprises challenges and I try to go to the gym I try to diet I try like I've been trying to diet my whole life but I can never you know opposed to some people that come to intuitive eating and they're very good at following diets I was never able to follow a diet mm -hmm. I would onto it for like a week and then it would be over um so so I'm I'm like in that space. Fast forward, I have my first kid and I'm like 30 pounds more because of the baby weight. And I'm like, great, perfect opportunity. I'm going to do sleeve surgery because like I'm at that threshold where you can do it, right? Because up to a certain weight, you're not qualified. So suddenly I'm qualified. Wasn't like it crazy just when you're recounting your story that you're thinking like, great, now I qualify for weight loss surgery. It's like, anyone listening to this who's still in diet culture would be like yeah that's normal like as if that's normal you know right and the doctors are applauding it and everybody right. is like this is awesome I start the process and I realize that there's really no support for weight loss surgery so when you go to the doctor they you meet a nutritionist once or twice they don't really tell you the side effects they don't really tell you like that this is a new lifestyle like you really get minimal information the insurance companies make a ton of money off you. The doctors make a lot of money. Everybody's making money and you're just a number. And I've researched a ton of surgeons and like I'm, I'm a researcher and I'm a share her. That, that's who I am as a person. I love empowering people. So I'm like going through the pro this process and I am like, wait, like nobody's talking about this. It's also embarrassing, meaning there are people in our community that refuse to share that they sleep. And like you see this person. 100 pounds to 100 pounds and they'll deny it right mm -hmm. and like there's certain visual things that you can see on people's bodies if you know to see that they did weight loss surgery because they are misproportioned or whatever and I'm like talking to people and they say no I lost all the weight myself and I'm like feeling like a loser because I did sleeve surgery and I'm like mm -hmm. I know this person like it, this makes no sense right so fast forward like a year in I talked to somebody and they're like, you should open up an Instagram page and talk about this journey, sleep surgery, everything, the good, the bad, the ugly, whatever. I open up a Instagram page and it's called kosher and sleeved because in the non-Jewish world, there was a lot of content for sleeping. Jewish world, nothing. I don't think to this day there was anything on that. What year was that? 2019, I believe. So I've had, yeah, I've had clients who are more like in the non-Jewish world that they have support groups. Like, not that I'm promoting weight loss surgery. I'm just saying, like, I understand. I've never heard about um, Jewish support groups. Could I interrupt you for a second on your story? Okay. Was everyone around you supportive of the surgery, including your husband, your parents? Like, everybody was like, yeah, it's good. Like, was anyone afraid of the side effects or, like, the potential consequences? I think my husband didn't like the idea. Um, he was afraid of the consequences, Otherwise, people were, you know, it was like it's surgery. Why would you go under the knife for this? Um, but 
I've been a very independent person my whole life. So if I felt like I wanted to do something, I did it anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I I think it was 2000. No, I did sleep surgery in 2015, December 2015. I think the Instagram page happened about 2018 or maybe even earlier, 2017. I don't remember. Were you on Instagram before that, like promoting things, or this was like your first mm-hmm. endeavor into it? Okay. Yeah. So I'm on there, and there's like suddenly people are coming out of the woodworks, and they're not even sharing their identity, but they're saying, You know me, and I did sleeve, and this happened, and that happened, and people gained back weight, people got gallstone, gallstones, people, um, like are struggling people are miserable people realize that none of their problems got solved like they're still dealing with all the issues that they dealt with and physical emotional social issues right and it's all coming out of the woodworks and it was it's not a big following you're talking about thousand followers Mm -hmm. but very concentrated Mm -hmm. and I'm starting to talk about like, and I'm promoting, you know, protein shakes. And then I'm realizing like, and then I find this source that sells that protein shakes isn't what it's supposed to be because you're living on fake food and you got to eat real food. You got to eat fiber. You got to eat this. Yeah. And I'm like promoting stuff. And I even got like a huge doctor to come on and do a live about like real post sleeve surgery, the support, blah, blah, blah. And and there was just so much feedback and there was like real stuff going. And I'm like, meanwhile, I'm going to the gym five times a week, waking up like 6 a.m., eating like super like, oh my gosh, healthy or or like really I wasn't eating food. Like when I look back, I was like I was eating dog food mm-hmm. and I was miserable. Mm-hmm. But I was for two and a half seconds. I lost like 65 pounds and I was like, in this skinny like when I look back at pictures I'm like I'm like a shell of myself I'm like who is this like I was gaunt Mm -hmm. but oh my gosh I'm skinny for the first time in my life and I'm buying clothing and I'm like living life right and suddenly COVID hits and gyms get shut down um you know I am on bed rest I can't hold any food down besides crackers. You're on bed rest from the surgery? Oh, I say I I I found out I was pregnant the week the world shut down. Oh my gosh. So I I March 11, world shuts down. I'm feeling sick. I think it's COVID. I take a pregnancy test. I'm pregnant. Two little kids at home. My husband was an essential worker. He's out of the house. I you know, week number 15, 16, I'm staining. The doctor's like, don't even bother coming into the office. Nobody's coming in for anything. I haven't even gone for my first sonogram because they said wow. it really matter. Wow. So they're like, just go on bed rest. So I'm like, I'm bed rest. Can't keep food down. Oh, yeah. No gyms, no nothing. And um, it was so interesting because like, you know, I had a baby 2018 after sleep surgery. I gained 25 pounds. I lost everything. But what happened was I got gallstones. I got um, pancreatitis. Mm-hmm. Ended up and it was really scary. And they said mm-hmm. that it was a side effect of sleep surgery. Nobody ever talks about it. And then when I posted about it, a ton of people said, oh, my gosh, they got gallstones. And then I helped people figure out how to navigate gallstones. Like, I've had people reaching out to me forever since. Like, asking me what I did. I tried natural. I tried medical whatever so here I am I'm pregnant I'm barely eating and the weight is piling on fast hello everybody I am so excited to tell you that the get into it with Gila podcast is sponsored by okclarity.com okclarity.com is the place for any Jew no matter how firm or religious you are to find a top-notch therapist psychiatrist coach or dietitian and it's completely free for you to use OKClarity.com's professionals are vetted and have extensive experience working with the Jewish community. Yes, you can even find me there. If you're in the market for a therapist, coach, dietitian, psychiatrist, or the like, you want to check them out. If you don't find what you're looking for, they have a service where you complete a short form and they will personally match you, which I think is so, so cool. Important side note, if you are a wellness professional, I highly recommend joining their directory. Their team is amazing and I've received referrals immediately. They also really offer a ton of support. OK Clarity also has an amazing WhatsApp status with over 7,000 obsessed followers. And yes, I am one of them. 
Their WhatsApp is a free way to improve your mental health and they post really great humor. So you'll laugh too, which is really, really important for our mental health, right? If you have WhatsApp, shoot them a message at 917-426-1495. Again, that's 917-426-1495. Have a great day. And I and I'm thinking to myself, how is it that I will gain the same 25 pounds no matter what I eat? It, it just makes no sense. Um, as I'm sitting home, I, I saw Rachel Tuchman talk about intuitive eating. I saw Mimi Hecht. I found your page and I'm like, what is this thing? It felt very woke. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, so interesting. And I pushed back hard. I really did. But then as I'm sitting there and I'm like incapacitated, I, it was such a, it just hit me in the face. And I had to take a hard look at myself. I feel like I talked to a lot of people in COVID. Like everybody, COVID hit differently. Everybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this was the biggie for me. I'm like laying there and I'm like, this makes no sense. I'm eating like I can barely eat or I'm eating food that I hate. And my first thought, the one that really entered me was that we gain weight because of our feelings, not because of what we're eating. Like that when we eat with guilt, then it sticks to us versus when we eat out of pleasure. And the reason that that was my first thought and that was the entry to my healing is because I've been a believer of the mind-body connection from when I was very young. When I was about 16 years old, I read Louise Hayes. I've been a believer of mind-body for a very long time. So that made sense to me that we, when we eat out of guilt, then it, it affects us versus when we don't. Mm-hmm. Here, I read the intuitive eating book. I, I reached out to you. I spoke to you for a long time before I became your client. Mm-hmm. You have an introduction. This introduction is basically 50 minutes long, right? <laughs> Good. <laughs> I like to hear all the details and I'm sure the listeners do too. So I didn't reach out to you until a long, long time, like two years later, maybe three years later, because I, 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 maybe I wasn't ready. I also thought I read the book and I'm doing it myself. Mm-hmm. It's funny because like as a US implementer, people read the book Traction and they're like, yeah, I could do it myself. And I'm like laughing to myself because I also thought I was doing intuitive eating. Right. I was so stuck at like rejecting diet culture or just eating, like getting over. I don't know which principle it is like where you just eat, you know, you, you just free yourself of restriction and making peace with food, making peace with the food. I was making peace with food for two years. Right. It was like, I was eating cake and potato chips. I was I was feeling like um, unnourished, but I, I was totally incapable of eating regular, nourishing, filling foods. Mm-hmm. That's when I realized that I need help. And that's what you I were like stuck. Like a lot of people, they read the book. It's you know, Rena Riser doesn't she does taught me a lot about intuitive eating, and I remember her saying. It's like reading a book about how to play guitar. Right. Then you think you know how to play guitar. It's not the city. Obviously, you don't know how to play guitar just by reading a book, right? It's like the practice and the nuances and the getting it wrong and fixing it. And um, and also, I don't know if everybody knows what an EOS implementer is, so you'll tell us about it later, what you do. But <laughs> Okay, so, so that, it sounds like it kind of like hit you like a ton of bricks. And also, we did meet in person like you had reached out to me on Instagram and you asked me some questions and um and then we met at the food media conference right MNC and we talked and you were telling me that you're kind of into it but not sure and I was like no problem whenever you're ready I'm here and then yeah like this happens sometimes like you're planting the seeds and then two or three years later you reached out and you're like I want to do this I want to do this right yep and I think a lot of people are wondering, like, I, I've since changed my Instagram to reach level. It's my US life. And people are wondering, like, what happened to kosher and sleeve? So I want to talk about, first of all, I want to briefly say what I do. And then I want to talk about the the experience of, of living in a very public way through mm-hmm. my journey. Mm-hmm. I think it's important. Um, first of all, what I do is I help business owners and their leadership teens get more clarity on their business um you know a lot of times people are working and everybody's doing their own thing and then they're making decisions and then there's confusion 
um, owners are feeling like, oh my gosh, I don't know what my employees are doing or why am I working so hard and I'm not seeing return on mm-hmm. investments. So I help create clarity around the vision, around the plan of where the company is going. I help you know, in, instill accountability and discipline throughout the organization. So everybody understands what their job is. And you're constantly working towards that vision. And I help create a healthy, open and honest, cohesive environment for business businesses in general. I would not be able to do this without being who I am today, without going through intuitive eating. My husband and I have done EOS in our personal business. We own a plastic factory and it was so amazing. But I couldn't take that step of becoming an implementer until I was like doing intuitive eating because mm-hmm. I shared with I felt like I was a loser. I felt mm-hmm. like the things that I've ever tried was losing weight, right? Turning my body into a size two when it would have never gotten a size two. And those were things that were helpless. And if I, if that was my bar of success, I always felt like a loser. Mm-hmm. When I realized that, that's not my bar of success. I was able to let go and accomplish other things because it didn't define me. My weight and my body doesn't define who I am. So right. that was a very big breakthrough for who yes. I'm the work that I do today. Wow. Um, but living, like promoting sleep surgery in such a public way and then suddenly coming out and saying, I don't promote it anymore. I don't tell people what to do. Um, if you want to put yourself under the knife to taste what skinny feels, even temporarily. You want to, you know, live lifelong consequences of not being able to eat properly, not never feeling full, every half hour feeling hungry, um, maybe getting gallstones and other side effects. Go ahead. I'll tell you the good, the bad and the ugly, but I will never tell people not or yes to do sleep surgery. Mm -hmm. But the hardest part was when I came back like I was off Instagram for about a few months I was pregnant I didn't feel like being on there I came back and and my biggest fear was people saying oh she's fat again so she's not promoting sleep surgery anymore she's promoting intuitive eating because it fits her persona it fits her narrative like so now she's fat and she's looking for um like permission to be fat so she's going mm-hmm. to intuitive eating mm-hmm. it was always a feeling that I felt mm-hmm. and then it literally materialized where I got back like screenshots of messages of people talking about me behind my back of saying, oh, look, now she's promoting to be fat. It was the hardest thing of living in a public space. No matter, you know, it was only, let's say, 1,500 followers public. I'm not like Kim mm-hmm. Kardashian, but still... In our community, such a tight-knit community, being somebody that was willing to open myself and put myself out there in public to share my knowledge and my journey to support others, and then having that hit me in the face, it was it was one of the hardest things that I ever had to go through. And it just shows the stigma of the community. It just wow. shows who we are as a community. Yeah, wow. That's a really powerful story, and I've heard a lot of it before. Um What I wanted to like pull apart from what you just said was, first of all, thank you for sharing that. And second of all, um, I'm going to go, I'm going to speak about a few of the things that you said. First of all, I think it's amazing to see somebody's story like here on the podcast, although I see this a lot, but just for other people to see like, not just like a success quote unquote story, but like to hear that somebody's life was actually changed by intuitive eating, not just like, oh, now I don't diet, but like you know, I always say like healing your relationship with food heals your relationship with yourself. So like, if yeah, no matter what, even if like, even if you stayed skinny, right, you were able to stay skinny, because you were starving yourself, or like you had multiple surgeries, or you kept going on the the pills, right? Like that would have stayed as your persona. And then you know, how I always talk about like your wheel of life, like your percentages of headspace would have continued to be like in that 60 to 80% range, right? And then of course, how could you welcome a whole new profession and a whole new uh, you know, a profession or just um, persona or success when that's just clouding it. And it's, that's what I mean when I say it really gives you like a change on your life because you open up space for things that really do matter. And like, yeah, like, it's just so sad that diet culture has stolen so much of our headspace in our life. It doesn't have to be like that. Yeah, that's so true. And to add to that, like, I don't know, 
intuitive eating is has nothing to do with food really the way mm -hmm. i look at it. mm -hmm. it's really a form of therapy i am a big proponent of all kinds of therapies so for me when i started and i thought it would be nutrition and it you took it to that whole twist of of really getting honest with myself on so many things that had nothing to do with food about mm -hmm. self and realizing that I have codependency and healing my codependency, which I am still working on so much. And codependency was a theme for my life. And then realizing that that codependency also got into my food, that mm -hmm. I can't prepare myself food. Right. I could rather prepare for my husband and my kids' food than for me. Like, I don't count. I come last. Right. There will be enough, then I will have. Right. And it, it connected to my childhood. It connected to who I am as a person. And that was huge. That was it. And we bring those things wherever we go. Mm -hmm. I bring them with my clients. If I'm codependent, then I will want to fix their problems instead of helping them find solutions. Right. It It's just those themes. When you realize that it has nothing to do with food and it's your personal growth and your identity, it opens up a whole new world for you for you so for me the healing was not only if i have to define what healing looks like for me today from an intuitive eating standpoint i i want to list it very clearly i want people to understand so here's a few things first of all the minute i stopped dieting the minute i stopped like concentrating on food the minute i threw out my scale my weight stayed consistent how do i know because my clothing less or more fit depending on how I feel like I'm very in touch with my body I could feel when I feel bloated I could feel when I feel hungry I could feel when I feel full I can eat a piece of cake and tell myself this is not what you need you need real food really go get yourself real food I still struggle I have a lot of struggles when it comes to food but I I'm in touch with myself most people do not know how to identify what they're feeling like where in your body are you feeling it what are you feeling it's like it was a whole new experience right so that was one win the second win is that food beca food became not glorified Mm -hmm. I used to, like, I still throw major parties. I love hosting people. I love, like, cooking. I love putting food out there. Actually, for the first year and a half of doing intuitive eating, my family suffered because I didn't cook. Mm -hmm. I was, like, so disinterested that my yamtiv meals were beer minimum. Um, my Shabbos meals were, like, who needs this? Who needs challah? I'll just mm -hmm. have some. It wasn't because I wanted to die or anything. The whole glory part of food, of like forbidden stuff was gone. And suddenly like stuff was sitting in my house and getting stale. On the on the topic of getting stale, I want to share something really embarrassing. Um, I, I still do to a certain degree, but I used to hoard food. So mm -hmm. yeah, we go to Hava Java and buy a muffin and I would say, okay, I can't eat it now because I need to first eat something normal and then I'll put it away and then I'll only eat it after I make the beds and then I'll only eat it after the kids are asleep and I would push it off and push it off and I would put it in the closet and I once got like a box of chocolates and I kept on like hoarding it like I couldn't I didn't feel deserving enough to eat it so I always created like goals of when I'm going to mm -hmm. have it push the goal it was like a moving goal post mm -hmm. so suddenly it's like before Pesach and I'm like oh my gosh the chocolates have to be eaten right so I'm also eating it out of pressure not because I want it because the chocolates have to be eaten because it's going to be Pesach and I in Shabbos morning I cut open the like I eat a piece of chocolate and it tastes disgusting I look at the chocolate and it's all moldy mm -hmm. I eat and it was such a big breakthrough it was like this weirdness that if you don't like if you push off things if you hoard if you don't enjoy the moment things become moldy you know like it, mm -hmm. it, was, it was like black and white it was right there in front of me it's a good metaphor for life yeah i think like where i kept things in the fridge like a little box of cookies and my husband for fun would go and take out all the cookies and leave the box empty and I would only notice like three weeks later that it was empty because I was so busy hoarding it yeah I really first of all yeah thank you for sharing that story and I can understand why it's embarrassing but I also know like I've heard many many stories of food hoarders 
and we understand why, you know, like as a, especially as a child, when you're shamed for eating or you're not allowed to eat or you don't have access to foods that you enjoy, anything would be hoarded that you didn't have, right? So that you now have access to. So that just makes like so much sense. And that like pushing off and deserving, I think that you shed a lot of light on on like the real depth of intuitive eating, like the like that like how far you could go with it. Because yeah, some people do have a harder time really believing it and that's keeps them stuck. But because you were like did it when you were ready, you had these like and because you're such an open person, you're able to really shed light on like what really could happen. Like I've heard this from many clients that they can't sit at the table when other people are eating because they were shamed at the table. Right. This like these other like psychological things that happen in our life that are very real and very true that we blame on ourselves. Like you were saying before we started recording, like it's a self-control thing, quote unquote, but no, it's not a self-control thing. Anyone who's, I don't want to use this word like so flippantly, but like traumatized around food, abused with food, technically like, yeah, it makes sense that like you can't eat, like you physically can't eat the food until it's moldy or like even eating moldy food. Cause you feel like quote unquote, you deserve that. Um, and, and then like what you said about, about like, like making more simple food, even though you love to host and give people food. And that's a really interesting process to go through, right? Because you're like, when food is so much on a pedestal because of your dieting years, whether or not you're dieting, it's just like cheesecake is so bad. I should never eat it. Or pizza is so bad. I should never eat it. Or candy is so bad. I should never eat it. And then when you actually eat it, you're like, without guilt, it's like, what's the big deal? Like you have to go through that, like it's just like a relearning of food, of what is food and what it means to me. So it's so interesting that you share how you actually went through that and let yourself go through that. Thank you. Yes. And, and, you know, I just, I I think food will always be a lifetime struggle for me on one level or another, because my trauma goes very deep. Like I was put on diet when I was six years old and that dietitian way back then in the year 1998, right? Didn't have the skills they have today. And they would, they would skier little kids and say, if you're not going to eat fruits and vegetables, then you're going to become fat and then you'll have diabetes and then you'll die young, right? Oh, yeah. So I always had that number where I knew if I hit that number, I'm going to die. Like that's how I felt as a little kid and it carry you carry that with you as a, an adult subconsciously mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and suddenly I hit that number and I didn't die right, right. and then it oh my gosh right so learn relearning how to have that relationship and with my kids when when I tell my kid you know maybe you want to try to eat a little bit more my son tells me ma I felt my stomach it really feel, feels full please don't tell me what to eat and I love when they <laughs> Yeah, because yeah. We feel in that way too, right? Right. I was able to take all these skills and teach them to my kids, so I don't, I don't pass on these traumas to the next generation. Right. My kid asks me what calories are. I'm like, calories are energy, you know. And he comes home sometimes with weird things, and I'm still surprised that some yes. mothers still point out to their kids the idea of sugar and calories. And I, I, I really make it a non-issue. Like, it's like, oh, it's just energy. How much energy are you taking in? That's right. Amazing. Right. It's amazing to neutralize that. Um, I also think it's a really interesting point. Like, we don't have to go to, like, the religious part of this at all. But uh, just when you said this, it, it hit me. Like, that's why it's also so important to teach people, like, what's halacha and, like, what's, what's chumras, like, what's actual Jewish law versus like what's taking on something extra because yeah it's the same type or like telling someone if you do this you will go to hell and then they do it and they don't go to hell or they don't have that immediate ramification it's like it's kids don't understand that anyways and like what are you doing like what are you what's what ends up happening when you teach a child something that's false and then they find out the truth or they 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 are like privy to like um like like there's light shed on it like with let's say let's just say health at every size right so I was actually listening to an audiobook today and it was so good. Like she was saying that um, she was just talking about how like, like we're so fixated on the fact that we want to lose weight. It's like, you might as well like, like get your leg chopped off because then you'll lose weight or take your brain, like have your brain removed because then you'll lose weight. Or like, let's think about the skinniest people that we've ever known. They were in a concentration camp. Like, do we want that? Like, I'm not trying to like, again, make that light, but like, it's just such a crazy thing that we're 
And like you said before, I hear it all the time around me all the time. You got to lose weight. You got to be skinny. Um, it's, I hate that, that you have to be skinny to get married. That's like so plain God. It doesn't make any sense that like, how could you say that? Like, it doesn't, it just like, it makes me so upset, but like, I also like, I have to put my, like, I have like a lot of boundaries around this because otherwise I would just be mad all the time. I'm more like, like, like you, like I want to empower myself and empower people that like, you don't have to believe this just because you've been told this for 30 years, you know? Right. I have so much to say on the part of, of teaching halacha versus what's cultural and all that. I'm not going to go there. Yeah. Let's uh, not go there because we don't have to. (laughs) But, But what I did want to say is I have to try to remember. That's okay. I said a lot of things and I'm sure we have a lot more to Um, (laughs) say. You said that. Okay. I did want to say something that I don't know how intuitive eating by the book it is, but this is a thought that I have. Okay. Bodies come in all sizes Mm -hmm. and there is natural bodies. And then there's unnatural bodies. When you see somebody excessively, excessively fat, when I look at them, I say, I have empathy for them. And I say, this is the result of trauma, of us enforcing a narrative onto the world. I I still believe Hashem, God, made bodies in all different sizes. But when you see somebody unnaturally not either too skinny or too fat or whatever. There is natural frames. There's like, this is my shoulders, right? And if I would try to be a size two, it doesn't fit into this bone structure. It makes no sense, right? So I think it's important to realize that we as a society, we perpetuated this. And then Mm -hmm. there are are suffering because the, you know, there is healthy living as in going to the gym and feeling like, I had to analyze, I had to sit with myself and say, right now, can I breathe well? Can I walk upstairs and not get out of breath, right? And at one point, I would say a few months ago, I felt like I I can't walk stairs as energetically as I could. Mm -hmm. What it meant for me was like, what could I do about it? And I said, you know, if I would go back to running or walking fast or doing cardio, I'm working on my heart and Mm -hmm. I can work better so so working out had nothing to do with my body as in size it, it has right. to do with functionality mm-hmm. right so when people say oh i can eat whatever i want i can be whatever i want whatever size there is still like does it work for you is it working for you that that's the question like right. is it working does it serve you like we always say yeah. i always say like yeah totally like like you were saying before about like the making peace with food for two years before you started working with like somebody like me um because it's like for sure people do get stuck and I understand why that like intuitive eating is like eat whatever you want and who cares how much weight you gain or how much how you actually look and that's not intuitive eating at all and I understand why just by reading the book you might think that but like of course there's such a important emphasis on health and even nutrition and movement and like you said if you feel out of breath, which I actually like just to say that like a lot of times clients tell me like, I know I'm not healthy because when I walk up and down the steps, I get out of breath. I exercise a lot and I still get out of breath. Some people just have less stamina. And like I could go to the same exercise class for many, many years and still be one of the slower ones. Not because I'm lazy, not because I don't eat fruits and vegetables, not because I don't exercise, just because I have low stamina. That's just the way it is. And like, I used to feel really annoyed about it. And I'm just like, like I just, people don't have the same stamina. They don't have the same natural strength, you know? And it's like, we get so boxy about it. We get so black and white about it. Like the right way to look is a size two. And the right way to behave is to like never ever eat gluten for some reason. And it's like, you must do exercise, like even if you feel sick. And it's like, where do we, why are we doing that to ourselves? I think there's a lot of reasons why, why we do that to ourselves. I mean, like like you said, people are profiting off of our pain. And that's the beauty industry in general, right? Like make women feel, and even men, make them feel as awful about themselves as they can so that they'll buy our products. And it's like, even though it sounds so extreme in a way, and it sounds so like conspiracy theory in a way, if you really think about all the advertisements out there, they are really trying to just make money off of you. So it's like a lot of noise in our heads. And like I said before, like beliefs that we didn't pick that don't serve us and that we just perpetuate and we don't have to. Right. And, and, you know, on the topic of exercise, 
you know what? Everybody talks about, oh, you're going to work out and the first few days it'll be hard, but then the endorphins will, you know, jump in and then you'll want to go to the gym. I've been working out since I'm six years old. That never happened to me. I get no high from working out. And for many years, I did it anyway. And I did it anyway. And I pushed myself and I was miserable and I cried and I would lift weights and I pretend and I would post on social media saying I lifted 200 pounds. I love lifting weights. I love, it's a passion. It, it, there's certain a certain empowerment in it. Did I feel the endorphins? Absolutely not. Did I feel high after workout? Absolutely not. Almost never. I remember sitting in therapy and the therapist was saying, one more month, one more week, you'll keep doing it. I promise you, it can't be a natural body. The endorphins hit. And I realized that either I'm just a low energy person. I know it doesn't sound like that. People like think I'm this huge high energy person, but like I'm Enneagram four. I'm a, I'm a, like a hopeless romantic. I mm -hmm. don't, my energy is on the lower side. That's where I'm happy. So I will trudge through a workout that somebody goes on high speed it's just works better for me and I maybe won't you know expend that much energy but that works for me right so I've been going to the gym for so long and I've been not listening to that voice in my head that said this is not working for you this is not working for you that's when I started switching up things I did boxing I did bike riding and I always tried something else and I said where am I going to find that like Oh my gosh, this is where I love to be. I could do this all day, energy, any day, rain or shine. Mm -hmm. no, I have right. to push myself to bike ride. I have to push myself to box. I have to push myself to run. I have to push myself to lift weights. I didn't wake up and like say, yay, today I'm going to bike ride. I'm so excited. And only after we worked together did I give myself permission to stop working out. And it was very, very scary. Wow. I sat on the couch for a long time and I imagined like how fat I'll be and how I will have no muscle and how clumsy and I'm so lazy and you're a terrible lazy person because you're not getting up and you're not working out and that I can't take off the boxes of like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, worked out four times a week this week. And I didn't work out for many, many months, maybe even for a year. I would work out sporadically, randomly, but not consistently, not on a schedule. It was so scary to me. And then a few months ago, Gina Wickman, the founder of EOS, shared with the implementers this concept. And he said, every decision you make is either out of love or out of fear. Fear is your ego, your brain, and love is your heart. And that 90% of the decisions we make is out of fear. And if we can switch it to love, how much more it would serve us. Mm -hmm. And suddenly I'm like, do I want to go to the gym out of fear or out of love? And for many weeks, it was still fear. And then as long as it was fear, I didn't go. And suddenly wow. I back in, um, and I, and I, my chiropractor was like, look, the only thing that's going to fix this is working out like you you have back pain and then I had to tell myself Ruchi if you love yourself then you take care of your body mm -hmm. do 50 sit-ups every morning like that's love love for yourself mm -hmm. and that's how I'm slowly going back to the gym and slowly doing not consistent workouts because I love myself and I take care of myself that's so beautiful thank you for sharing that also I think that's another thing that like sheds light that like I, I want to just say this. I just want to think about it for a second. Like when you said sitting on the couch, right? And letting, what do we talk about all the time? Letting all those negative thoughts surface before you deal with them, right? Because everybody, most of the people I work with never ha have heard this or they're very skeptical about feeling their feelings, right? Like I want you to say, my brain is telling me that I'm lazy and I'm going to get so fat and everyone's going to hate me. Like it hurts. Like it hurts me to even say it, but like we all have those thoughts. We all have those thoughts and we don't, I heard this on a podcast once and I love it. We don't have to believe everything we think and our brains will just tell us the same story over and over and over again until, unless we change it, unless we actively change it. So it's like, if you feel like taking a break from, from exercise or from, or from any of the, you know, with any of the intuitive eating principles from eating whole grains or any fruits and vegetables for one year even though it sounds really scary and it sounds so quote unquote unhealthy, it's like, it's like such a reboot. Like you don't, you get rid of all that, those beliefs that are like, so 
toxic and hurting you. And then you have that fresh, clean start of like, like exactly what you said, can I exercise out of self-love? Even though it's hard, we do a lot of things out of self-love that are hard. You know, we do a lot of things for love that are hard, whether it's for somebody else or ourselves. So like hard doesn't mean it's bad, but like, but like, yeah, doing things out of fear is often not so meaningful. So it's more about like how it actually helps you, not how it hurts you. Exactly. That's really beautiful. Wow. Okay. So, um, do you want to tell us, first of all, do you want to tell us a little bit about the difference between working with me privately and working in a group, whether it doesn't have to be intuitive eating related. It could be like maybe what you learn in your, with your implementing, like what it's like working with someone individually versus like the power of a group. So there's benefits both. I love both. Um, I loved the one-on-one because we were able to go deep and we were able to go to like the root cause of issues because there there's a lot of personal stuff attached like I would take like you would ask me oh what was your win for this week or what was the struggle and I said but say like what struggle was that I couldn't feed myself breakfast and we were able to go there and say where's it coming from what's the belief that you have right so it was very deep on the self-growth psychological part as a group there's nothing like support and there's nothing I saw stuff in myself that I've never seen before because it's mirrored in other right. people. Right. I, I take parenting classes also in a group form and it's 10% of the teacher teaching and 90% of people sharing wow. because here I saw, I see this mother doing something to her kid. And the first minute I'm like, Oh, she's so stupid. How could she do that? But then the second minute, I'm like, wait, when you do X, you are the same, right? right? Then I have to say, what is it about me that does that? And I have to take a hard look at myself. So right. we learn stuff about ourselves through watching others. Wow. By the way, I'm also an Enneagram four. So I just want to say on that point that like I do attract a lot of fours because we're a force. But I do, I think also, um, just shedding light on that for a second is like with anything in life, whether it's intuitive eating or anything you're working through, getting to know your personality, like you were saying, personality test before getting to know what you are like naturally, like let's say your natural body type or your natural stamina and like accepting it, like wholeheartedly accepting it that Hashem gave you this like um, beautiful picture of your life with all these different natural things that come with your life and you have to navigate it but once you have that like level of acceptance I'm a four and I tend to be depressed I tend to I like hearing people's sad stories in a way because I like holding space with people I like I like being compassionate whereas other people in my life are like how do you do that like that's I would be depressed and I'm like I think four is like being depressed you know <laughs> like and then so like understanding that like a nine probably would never be able to be do that type of work and that's okay they could be like you know, clowns. <laughs> um, but seriously, you know, like just understanding that that's not like a defect in any way. It's just a part of you that you could use to help you or to hurt you. And like getting to know yourself on that level will help you in anything. Right. And it's all interconnected. So once I did intuitive eating and then I had my struggle with clothing, like why am I buying too much clothing or why am I not wearing certain clothing? I was hoarding right. clothing the same way I was hoarding food and so and then I know a lot of people that are very like hesitant about personality tests or assessment I find it very freeing because like now that I know that I'm a four I know that if I will try to be a seven it will be painful for me or now I know why I don't understand my husband who is a seven because that's where we're different and I learned to so since we did intuitive eating I also did my color analysis and it, it's so freeing because yeah. I'm like, a loser. so I understand why I want sharp stuff. Like I want my clothing to be very like classy, sharp, very different. And I, I understand why I need things to be organized. It it goes across the board, right? To my clothing, to my decor around my house, everything. So cool. It's really, really cool when you get to know yourself like that. And like on the topic of like clothes and, and, and color palettes like that's something we spoke about in the group also that like we think like the only way that we will love our bodies and feel pretty is if we get skinny and we limit ourselves in that so much and we can't even control it anyways like 
why don't we just learn what actually looks good on us or what we actually brings out the color of our eyes or brings like fits our body type well. And it's like so freeing. Like I always say this, I probably said it on the group that like, I said this to someone last night, they were asking me about like my podcast and what I do. And I said, I said, isn't it true that you could see a skinny woman walk in the room who looks so like down and she's like a little hunched over and she's not really dressed well. And she's not really, she doesn't like, like herself. And you automatically our culture will say that woman's beautiful. That woman's better than the woman who walks in behind her, who's in a fat body, who looks awesome, who like is wearing fun makeup and a nice shade or wig or headscarf or whatever, or maybe not, and has beautiful hair or whatever, and took care of herself and wears clothes that look good on her. Like she looks beautiful. And like, you can't really even deny that. I know like diet culture will be like, no, but she would look so much prettier if she was skinny, but we've conditioned ourselves to believe that. Absolutely. Um, okay, so this is really awesome. Thank you so much for your like vulnerability and just sharing and teaching us about like so many layers of intuitive eating. I really, really appreciate it. Is there anything else you wanted to leave the listeners with? I think I've said a lot. Um, thank you for <laughs> the opportunity to share. I love sharing about my journey because I love empowering people. I love empowering people to be independent thinkers. That's my, uh, as an EOS implementer, we help people find their mission and people mistaken that only business owners have a mission and businesses every person on this planet has a mission and there's a way of finding your mission and when I found that my mission was to empower people to be independent whether it's through thinking through their business through living the life you want not connected to anybody what what will they think where do I fit in I don't fit in because I have no box right mm -hmm. but I don't they also do personality assessments because I get to know myself. So you get to live freer and more independently the more you know. So I, I guess that's the overall message. And I just that's want to beautiful. say thank you so much for having me. I value our relationship a lot. And if there's anybody that can help, that wants to reach out, ask questions, Gila, I'm sure you'll yes. let them yeah thank you for coming on. Why don't you just tell the listeners where they can find you, like your Instagram handle, your email address, if you're happy to share. Sure. So my Instagram is Rachel Levowitz, one L, shares their L, um, underscore my US life. I am on LinkedIn, Rachel Levowitz. Um, my email address is rachel.lebowitz at eosworldwide.com. And you can find me in any of those channels and I'm happy to chat. Okay. So I'll put that in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on. This was so amazing. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Gila. My pleasure. Thank you all so much for being here on my podcast, Get Into It with Gila. If you'd like to learn more about what I do and what intuitive eating is, please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or follow me on Instagram at Gila Glassberg. Thank you so much. Have a great day.